0: Let's pray. Father, it's just awesome to be together to worship you, to uh, praise you, Father, to read your word. Father, I pray this would just be a great time for us to connect with you, to let Romans uh, speak to each of us individually, to move our hearts, Father. I pray that you'll just help us together. Uh, to be pleasing to you in every way, we love you. Uh, it's in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, it's been a—it's to me—it's been a crazy week. You know, when you miss out in Burlington, you really this is someone asked me what's great about Burlington. This is what's great about Burlington: the, the disciples of Jesus here Amen. make it. You know, it's a beautiful place and all that, but this group really makes it an awesome place. And so, you know, we left last Saturday a week ago, and so we missed out on Jeff's baptism that was awesome you know i got the do a video but i wish i could have been there for that although i hear there was like a mass spreader event trying to happen with the so in some ways i'm glad missed that part of it but um, hey amen you know we, we went out to california we spent uh, some time with our daughter who's in la went to church there and that was cool it was campus it sunday there so we got a little oh, <coughs> invigorating dose there of that and uh, spent some time with Jeanette's mom, who a uh, week before had just turned 97-year-old, oh, wow. so you, wow. when you're that age, <coughs> you have lots of wisdom, but you don't know how many more days there are, so I want to spend as many as possible with her, so that was that was really great, and I uh, <clears throat> got to do some other fun things, and, you know, we came back and uh, had heard, you know, last weekend, a good friend of mine passed away, and so we, were, we went yesterday to a to a funeral for Ray Matthews down in in Boston. And uh, it was really interesting because, as I counted, in 1995 a movie came out. It's called Braveheart. Let me hear see Braveheart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A great movie. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. Uh, uh, one of my good friends, uh, it was his favorite. And so, for his wife, being a creative uh, person, decided to have a Braveheart birthday party for him. And so, she put together, and so part of the requirement was that all the men. Had to dress in costume from Bray Park. <laughs> well, you know, at Bray Park, all the men wear dresses, you know? So they they called call, kill right? Killed. So they all wear kilt. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, in different tops, and some of them had, you know, war paint on it. Right. And so all, there's like eight or ten of us guys said, oh, no way. Huh? We're not going to do that. <laughs> and one by one, and it was a surprise, I think. I think a surprise. So all the wives had to persuade uh, the guys to actually even do that. <laughs> and so we, we got all dressed up and, and the wives all dressed up in, in you know, period dress, which is, was not quite as compromising as the men's period dress, of course. Uh, and so we all got together and got started and it was uh, fun. But then we decided back then in 1995 that uh, we would, needed to go out and buy some Scottish ale. So no one person could go out in a dress to the local <laughs> place to buy beer. And so all ten of us went together and it was quite a memorable experience. <laughs> you know, we took a we took a picture of it. It's one of those pictures that I seen it many times over the years. I still have it. it's one of those that you never forget. And you just don't know when you're going to a, a birthday party for one of your friends. That something you do and capture will be something that becomes a, a life memory. Mm-hmm. So that was a group of, of brothers and sisters that really were uh, really a, a band of brothers, okay. a band of sisters, <clears throat> really knit at the heart. <clears throat> so, um, so my friend Ray, just a few years older than I, was one of those brothers and his wife Nancy. And so he passed. He had a he had a surgery last weekend, a week ago, mm-hmm. and just something came up and they had an unexpected complication. He died. So it was just wow. totally unexpected, you know, for all of us. And so it was. It was uh, in, in one sense, it's it's one of those mixed feelings, you know, because it's a combination. You, know, as followers of Jesus, disciples, we know that where we're going, we know what happens when you die. It's it's a it's a joyful experience, mm-hmm. but how is it that you combine joy at the same t- same time with grief? Wow, so yeah. so it comes together. It's really it's very it's. It's hard to process, you know. It's hard to think it through, and so it was very moving to be there uh, to connect with, you know, others of that of that grouping and many others. Uh, you know, we didn't retake the picture, thankfully, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it was very moving. And, and then for me today is the anniversary of my baptism.
1: So, I, so I was baptized 39
0: years ago. Right, oh. oh, wow. mm-hmm. I would say that and that's one way I'm I'm younger than Jeanette she was baptized before me but you know I think what comes together as we're going to dig in and uh, we started an overview of Romans last time I was here and got into the first part we'll finish up Romans 1 uh, today but you know for me it it really underlines that the things that we talk about are real Mm -hmm. they're real and sometimes you're not going to know when the day is. God knows your day but you don't know it. And so it it really is real. And so, Jeanette said, well, just have one thing that people remember. So I'll just give you the one thing right now that uh, if you fall asleep in the rest you remember that the righteous will live by faith. Mm. If you can come away with one thing from Romans 1, that's what I would want. I think that's what Paul would want you to remember, even from the whole book, Come on, is that the righteous are going to live by faith. So we started out a couple weeks ago. We said, you know, Paul, Apostle to the Gentiles, you know, in writing to Rome, he's writing to a largely Gentile church that he has never been to, doesn't plan on moving there permanently, but because at the time he's writing from Corinth, he's planning uh, at this time to go. uh, He's in Greece. He's planning on going to Jerusalem to take a, you know, a a collection for the poor, something he's been collecting amongst the uh, the Greek churches and. He really feels like he's really finished up his Eastern Mediterranean mission, he wants to head west. He wants to go to Spain, and he's telling the he's telling the Romans, "I'm going to come by you. Really expect you to help, you know, take care of me as I go on to uh, to Spain." Um, there's another reason he writes the letter. We're going to dig in that in just a second. It really, is more of a of a theological reason, but he is excited to preach the gospel. He's eager to preach the gospel, and that's where we start out in uh, in Romans. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 16. So let's just read 16 and 17. It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. You know, Paul's not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I hope you're not ashamed of the gospel. Right. You know, Jesus said, don't be ashamed of him, or he will be ashamed of us. You know, Mark 8, um, Paul writes it in 2 Timothy 1 8, 12, and 16, if you're taking notes to Timothy, not to be ashamed of the gospel. Think about it. The gospel is the answer to the world's problems. Yeah, mm. It is the one answer. The world has no answers. If that's one thing you get out of Romans 1 2, and one, two, and three is really that there is no answer outside of the gospel of Jesus right. Christ. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's the power of God for salvation. You know, he's not really saying that faith is independent of obedience. We hit that a bit last time. You know, your faith and what you do, they go together. You know, it, it's salvation is available for everyone, for the Jews and for the Gentiles. You know, why does he say, you know, Jews first and then the Greek or then the Gentiles? Well, you know, maybe it's just his missionary strategy. He's going to, They went to the Jews, the Jews first, then they're going to go to the Gentiles second. <clears throat> maybe it's the chronology of salvation. You know, first it was Abraham, and then it was Isaac, and then so on. So maybe he's talking about the chronology, that the, that the message of salvation came first to, through the Jews historically, and then to everyone else through Jesus. You know, maybe it's just a pre- precedence thing, you know, that the Jews they already knew the scriptures and so they were a better target for the gospel and then later on he would take it to uh, to those who hadn't heard hadn't had that awareness of God before, you know any of those could be true all of them could be true. The, the real underlining point that is that the gospel is for everyone. Yeah. Yep. Everyone is the key right. here, not Jew, Gentile, or any sequence or thing. It's for everything. Well, well, why is he talking about it going to the Greeks? Isn't he writing to Rome? Does he know who he's writing to? Don't they speak Latin? Well, you know, a couple things there. You know, the word "there" really just means other peoples, but it, it really Greek is the predominant language, culture in the area at the time. That's why the, the New Testament was written in Greek, um, and so it's that's just a point there. But through it, you know, God's righteousness is being revealed. Oh wow, okay. Well, don't they already know God? Well, they do, but it's. It's the idea of his justice, his, the way God deals with people. God is about how, how you deal with him, how you relate to him, and how you relate to your uh, fellow people. It really is about how that interaction, you know, we're going to get into it much later in Romans 4. We'll talk more about it, about this idea of Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. But it's this, this relationship with God and as I remember, the, the word really could translate into like six different words in English. And so, one of the concepts is just the covenant. The covenant, of justice. God has decided Abraham because you believe, I've reckoned to you. I've brought you in. You're part of it. You, you're one of me now. Go and behave to other people like I would. That relationship that I I have with them, you know. And and in this in this, God is going to deal with sin, you know, through the message of Jesus, through what Jesus brings to it. Um, uh, you know it says there it says, what does it say in the end? A right, excuse me, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it's written, the righteous will live by faith. You know, does anybody know where that comes from? You're putting up Habakkuk, it, right? It comes from habak. And uh, but when you hear that, you know, it's by reference. So when when Paul drops, you know, that quote, it meant something for folks you know, when he, he referenced that, and I was trying to think of good analogies of how you pull things in, and I didn't come up with a good analogy, but you know what I'm talking about. All right. It's like, you know, when I say Braveheart, and you think, sure, what do you think now? Yeah. Dresses. Yeah. Men wearing dresses <laughs> is what you think. <laughs> so you, you've been tainted. So anytime from now on, if Peter talks about my friend Ray and our Braveheart partner, you're going to think about yeah. ten guys wandering around in swamps and masks in kilts. <laughs> <laughs> and it's coming in by... So that's what happens... You know, most to the, you know, to the to disciples, whether they were of Jewish background or Christian background, they'd been there in Rome for a long period of time. They were familiar with the Old Testament scriptures, and, and we really need to be, too. We need to spend the time, especially when something's brought in by reference, to go back and read it, and go pay attention. Well, what, what is he really trying to say? So, in Habakkuk, written at about 600 BC, it wasn't a great time for Israel then, either, um, it was a time when the Babylonians were oppressing them. Uh, they were taking captives from various nations over a period of from like 605 to 587 BC. Uh, they would lead Jews away and ultimately would uh, besiege Jerusalem and then destroy the temple. They would destroy Solomon's temple. <clears throat> so it was, That's sort of the image that's coming in. And you think about it, that's very similar to what's going on in first century uh, Jerusalem, right? It's uh, when this is written in, in what 56 or 58 AD, about 20 years later, uh, <clears throat> Rome is going to come in. Uh, the Jews are going to start a little war with them. Uh, at the end, uh, the uh, Romans are going to destroy Jerusalem. They're going to destroy the temple. They're going to either crucify or enslave more than a million Jews. So that's what's coming. That's what's in the future that Herod's temple is going to get destroyed in the same way that Solomon's temple uh, did. And So let's just Hop over to Habakkuk. All right, it's in the Bible. It's one of those small passages, small books. Um, but, but you guys have electronic Bibles most of you, so it's easier, right? Um, yep. Just Amen. <laughs> so, so in verse four of Habakkuk two, you know, so this is the context. Habakkuk is speaking in this era when Babylon is destroying or taking over the people of God. <clears throat> he says, "See, he is puffed up." I think some versions say he's the, is the proud one. Uh, he des- his desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness. So he's speaking about the Babylonians, you know, and so even probably more so about the Jews who are struggling with the decision. You know, do we stay Jewish? Do we stay faithful, or do we decide to just to give in and be Babylonian? You know, and sort of duck and cover here. Do we follow? You know that. Where do we put our trust in? It's really it's a decision of do I go with the power structure? Is is it a political battle? Is it the armies? Is it treaties? Uh, is it going with the power? Maybe even going with the self righteousness, the self reliance, or is it the opposite? Is it is it going and being humble and distrusting in God? Have you ever heard? Or felt that kind of situation today, right? You know, it's exactly what was going on in the first century as well. They were trying to make a decision: do we go, you know, with our faith, or do we go with, you know, what appears to be around us? You know, it's very, very challenging, right? And you know, and uh, just to take a little peek over in in, uh, in Habakkuk three seventeen, I love this <clears throat> passage. It says. Though the fig tree does not bud, and the olive crops, though and no grapes grapes are on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. But to remember, remembering the righteous will live by faith. Just reinforcing that there. That was the message in Habakkuk. It doesn't matter if Babylon Destroys our temple, takes us into captivity. Yeah. We have nothing to eat; we starve to death. We are going to live by faith. Yeah. We're going to trust in God. <clears throat> Was it Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I always get those right. stories wrong. Yeah. They said we don't. You know, God doesn't rescue us. We're still going to be faithful. Yeah. We, we really want Him to rescue us, but we are going to be faithful to God. That's what we're. That's what we're striving for. You know, and and this this got corrupted really in the Middle Ages. It sort of went back and forth, you know, it, it was a time there where, you know, the, uh, the followers of God said, you know, basically, you just have to trust in your works, you just have to do a lot of stuff, you have to pay the penance, do the thing, be obedient, and that will be enough. And, and then the, the uh, Reformation came along and said, no, 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 it's not what you do at all, it is totally by faith, it is faith absolutely, you know, what you do doesn't even really matter. And those were the two extremes and they're both wrong you know they really decided to come up with an argument that was not what god was talking about at all he was saying that grace and obedience are both important they both go together they they both are required you know and some will tell you even that you know well in order to understand jesus you've got to understand romans or paul's letters that's wrong it's the opposite. In order to understand Romans, you've got to understand Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So if you apply the Jesus lens to the writings of Paul, to the book of Romans, then it all of a sudden it starts to make a lot of sense. You know, it's not salvation by grace alone. It's not salvation by a system of works that keeps track of all your deeds. It, it is God together, you know. And, uh, you know, one person said that if, you know, if you follow a wrong doctrine, it makes you sick. If you follow a healthy doctrine, it makes you healthy. And it's the whole idea that as we understand what Jesus, what God is trying to yeah. say here, and we understand it, then it, it makes us healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes us in the right direction. You know, it's not Paul versus James. What's Paul and James use the same Old Testament scriptures right. to talk about what they talk about. They're together. They're unified. They're both speaking the right messages uh, from God You know, and there was a thing going on in the first century about this time in the 40s and 50s AD where there were Christians, followers of Jesus, going around and saying that you had to obey Jewish law to be a healthy Christian. Mm -hmm. You just had had to be circumcised, you had to do all those things. And, you know, you can read more about that in Acts 15. Um, But I think that is the theological reason that Paul's writing this letter to Rome. He's trying to get across to them no, 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 that's not it what is it's it's the righteous will live by faith yeah. the righteous will live by faith and they will they will do that so we're going to see as we get into Romans that the first 3 chapters really expose the impact of sin you know in Romans 1 it's about you know the gentiles the greek and the roman world the folks who are not religious Jeanette said I can't use irreligious because it's too close to religious, but now you'll know what I mean. Irreligious means unreligious. Uh, she's helped me be straight here. Um, chapter 2 is going to circle back now on the religious folks, you know, the folks, uh, you know, the people who are Jewish, and then it's going to bring it all together in Chapter 3, just really talk about how ultimately, you know, Jew and Gentile uh, are lost in sin. I mean, Jesus yeah. can be forgiven, right? It's... And, you know, the good news is better appreciated when you understand the bad news of sin. And I think that's where Paul starts. He digs in and says, you know, we're going to focus first on the bad news so we can appreciate the forgiveness that we get uh, from the blood of Jesus. Let's go dig let's go, real a bit further here, <clears throat> starting in verse 18. It says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of human beings. suppress the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them for since the beginning, excuse me for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse sometimes you hear God's wrath and the common interpretation of that is judgment day The destruction of the world, fire and brimstone—that's God's wrath. But you know, uh, Paul's saying that God's wrath is already being revealed. So it's not exactly what he's talking about here. Um, You know, and and in Psalm 7:11 it says that God's wrath is being revealed every day. Hmm, How can that be? Well, I think it's because sin, in many ways, is its own punishment. When we sin, we receive the punishment. From that sin. Yep. And so <clears throat> God's wrath is in a progressive revelation. As we sin, we suffer the consequences of sin, you know, and so we're without excuse. You know, it, it's obvious, should be obvious, that the impact of sin uh, is happening even in nature. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and nature is a way that we, we see God. You know, too bad Ryan's not here. Maybe he's watching that <laughs> TV, here. Maybe he's out hiking. <clears throat> but I think you know in, in Psalm 19 it talks about this. Romans 1, of course, is used just to think about that God is seen in nature. He's making Himself known. You know, it's aware, but He's also making through His Word aware, Himself uh, known in Scripture. Mm-hmm. So you can think about that. You know, you know God. Like like for me, there's a lot of things in science, being a, a scientist, that expose God to me. Mm-hmm. You know, when I th- when I think about inside the cell, maybe this is too geeky, but you have a mitochondria. Like, you have these organisms inside your cell that do extremely complex things that we can't build a machine to do. Yeah. And yet, in every single human cell, there's my, multiple mitochondria bodies that you process energy. I was like, wow, you know, that's God. Like, God, you know, I, you know, we can't sit at a drawing board and even make something that does that in the lab, much less replicate it in, in, in a person. So for me, that, that's nature showing, you know, so I can see that through a microscope, other people can see things through a telescope. You know, I, I can never figure that out. How can they know how the planet's... You know, I, I took math in college. That's way beyond me. But uh, you can see things about God in a microscope or a telescope. But you can't tell about the character of God. So we need God's Word to expose things. So you know, Jesus said, Every word I said is exactly what the Father told me to say. Mm-hmm. So God is being revealed to us also through His Word. Um, but the problem is that uh, the, the only way to not observe that and make that connection, like, why do people not look at a mitochondria and make the same connection I do, is because uh, it's being suppressed. You know, there, there's a concept in law about evidence, and, uh, you know, I guess we've got Kai, hey, Kai's here somewhere, he's there behind a mask. He will tell us more in another time about the rules of evidence, right? And that mm-hmm. if there's evidence that, that the prosecution has, they have to reveal that to the defense. So everybody has to be made aware of evidence. And if you, you, you can suppress it, your defense attorney could just not use it. Mm. And you know, for whatever reason, good or bad. <clears throat> but if the prosecution hides the evidence, then that's, that could get the decision through. That's suppression, that's mm. holding it back. And so what's happening here is he's saying that the, uh, and suppression of evidence is a big thing. You know, in the academic world, if you, if you use wrong facts or hide things or don't show all the things, that's a big deal. You know, in in the social world, that happens all the time. We don't tell the truth about historical events. And so you get a misunderstanding of those things. And so the truth doesn't come through. You know, in this case, a sinful lifestyle oppresses the truth, hides the truth. You know, and it says here that, you know, people are without excuse. You know, everyone should know what God has said. They should know from the wrath that comes with sin. Uh, that there really is no excuse for not believing God. We are without excuse. Right. Yeah. You know, the divine nature, you know, like I said, it, it, it's exposed through His Word. You know, Christ is exposed through the Word of God. And I was thinking about, you know, there's some things that are just awesome. And I was thinking that the time that Rob and I went to the top of Campbell's Hump, and Kai too, I think at 4 a.m., and wow. sat there, and unfortunately we got there about 10 seconds before the sun came up, so it was perfect mm-hmm. timing. But to watch the sunrise up there was just amazing. It was mm-hmm. totally incredible. And that tells you something just about the beauty that God has created. Mm-hmm. But there's other things that we know just from reading his word. And as we have those things, we become responsible for them. Mm-hmm. So we are now responsible for the things we know through the word. Let's look in uh, verse 21. Mm-hmm. I'll be here. I think it's a clue my watch just died. Um in verse twenty-one For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. You know, it sounds like this. uh, It sounds a lot like Ephesians four, if you want to parallel that at some time. But you know, he's attacking idolatry here. saying isn't it crazy to bow down to an image of a cow or a reptile uh, or an image of a person? You know, here's an image of, you know, here's an image of Larry. You know, Peter. It's crazy. You know, it doesn't make sense. You know, but Judaism and you know, through Christianity was one of the few religions first that was had one God. So it was monotheistic. It was an ethical religion, but it didn't have images. There were no images. You know, the more norm was that people were used to looking at images, and and he's just saying here, you know, that's just crazy thinking. You know, that uh, worshiping image really even makes sense. You know, and uh, but you think about well, what happens to people now as they decide to not seek God, as they decide to uh, suppress the evidence. Let's read on in verse twenty-four. Therefore, God. "...gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, Mm -hmm. and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen." Mm -hmm. "...because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another." Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. So there, you know, three times. It's another time a little bit further in 28, I think, where it says that God gives up on them. Mm-hmm. You know, God doesn't prevent you from going where you want to go. Mm-hmm. You know, where I want to go. He's yeah, going to yeah. let you. He's not going to stop you. You know, if we want to continue to do things or believe things, uh, that God says aren't right, then God just says, okay, you know, Second Thessalonians two nine talks about he gave them to a powerful delusion to believe a lie. God will allow us to dig deeper and deeper into that powerful delusion and get you know, get, get sideline side there. So if we insist on doing behaviors or believing things that harden our hearts that's the result of it. Our hearts, our hearts just get hearts right. Right. And right. harder and right. harder. That's right. God doesn't stop us. Right. That's the definition of free will. Yeah. Hardest right. thing. I mean, as a parent, yeah. it is the hardest thing to see your kids going down a path that you know is going to harden their heart. Yeah. And and uh, That's right. I have a hard time. I I go kicking and screaming, come back, you know. And and God yeah. is God is God. God's like, okay remember we said that this sin brings about its own consequences right. God is revealing his wrath he's not waiting just until judgment day he's allowing uh, for people to suffer from their sins so that they can turn back and see him mm-hmm. you know some interpreters read chapter one and say okay there's this sequence of sin you know it's ingratitude and idolatry it's sexual sin it's homosexual sin it's depraved mind and so maybe that's what some individuals go through maybe that's just what a society goes through, you know, probably more of a society than individuals. And I, I think what Paul's doing is here is he's generalizing about sin, He's saying sin's a progression. He's going to do that again in chapter 2 and chapter 3. So he's sort of laying out sort of that evolution. You know, and if you, if you think about it, you know, it becomes the farther down that list you go, the harder it is, the more difficult it is to rationalize sin. You at some point you can say, okay, To justify sex outside of marriage takes more rationalization than just saying I'm going to follow a different religion. Mm -hmm. And then to justify a homosexual relationship versus a heterosexual relationship, that takes more justification than uh, than the previous and so on. And if you you want to justify complete all-out rebellion against all authority, that's even another level of rationalization Mm -hmm. in the scriptures. Or at least you, you could argue that. You could think that way in the progression of it. Um, I don't believe it's a strict, a strict sequence. I believe that God's wrath is being revealed. God is giving, giving us over to it, and, and sin has its own punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jeremiah 2.19 says, your backsliding punishes you. Mm-hmm. So when we compromise, you know, we're, we're just punished by the virtue of that particular act of the compromise. You know, that you will be responsible on the last day. Scripture makes that completely clear. It makes it equally clear that sin has consequences, that it separates us from people, that it alienates us from others, that we suffer the guilt. Uh, It infects our personality when we sin. When we cover up sin, it it infects us even more. uh, It makes it more obvious. You know, the, the guilty flee when no one pursues. You know, Proverbs 28. You know, have you ever seen that? Can I ask you a question? No. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. What's going on there? Or have you done that? I mean, I've done that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if you look at the history of the time, you know, I did a little bit of Googling this morning on Pompeii. You know, and I'm not a great architectural person, but, you know, Mount Vesuvius blew up in 79 AD, and it captured a lot of the homes in that area at the time. And so you can go and Google artwork from Pompeii Homes. And you can see the kind of art that was on the walls. It was, you know, and I I tend to think, well, that's ancient times. It wasn't ancient times. They were great artists. Um, And they captured all kinds of pornographic X-rated images on the walls of their houses. You know, the point where you go, you know, if I had that on my house, you know, that would be a discussion if any of you came over. You're like, oh my goodness, what is that? That's that's awful, right? Totally X-rated, totally shocking, totally lurid (coughs) images on the wall you know, you're boasting about something when you put three, a you know, full-size image, fucking huge images on your wall of your living room. It was just the standard uh, of that society. You know, <clears throat> people boast about it. They didn't. They didn't blush. You know, Jeremiah 6.19 talks about people don't even know how to blush. They're not, they're not, it doesn't catch them off guard. I think that could be a challenge for us, too. You know, we, we look at things, we see things, we talk about things, Uh, that should make us blush. Mm -hmm. The ancient world was to pray. Paul is just connecting that here in Romans 1 with idolatry. He's just reminding people that when you choose not to seek God and separate yourselves from him, he just allows you, God allows you to continue. He lets you go. And in the ancient world here at this time, they had been let go. They had just gone forward with it. And, you know, when you start worshiping things like that, you know, that's how it was in Rome. You know, the Roman gods were murderous, adulterous. They were evil gods. And so when you worship gods that are like that, you, you become like that. Right? Yeah. You become to pray. You imitate what you worship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, so I think that's the thing is we've got to decide, you know, what are we going to worship? What are we going to go after? You know, and, uh, you know, even <clears throat> it's, it's, it's interesting here, you know, Paul hits on homosexuality. He talks about it. You know, it wasn't accepted in Jewish society. It was very accepted in Roman society. You know, pedophilia uh, was accepted Mm -hmm. in their society. It's not accepted in our society, praise God. You know, it's a legal part of our society, I guess. But, you know, the Jews believed you had to live an ethical, God focused life. How you treated others mattered. You know, how, how you interacted with the world mattered. You know, our faith set a, their faith set them apart from all the other religions, from the Roman religions. You know, and even if there are reasons why you might be drawn into a sin, whether it's debauchery and overeating or it's homosexuality or it's anger or it's alcoholism, God still sets a standard, so we have a choice. And so we have to go after the choice, even if it's very hard. You know, we can throw up control ourselves, we can exercise control and I think that's the challenge for those in the Roman day, for us in our current day, is that the world is very confused about sin, and God has the answer. Let's, let's look here and let's read on in verse 28. It says, "Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind, so that they would that they so that they do what ought not to be done." They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. You know, there's a downward slope of sin. You know, it, it gets worse and worse and worse. You know, it, sin hurts our relationships. It changes our personality. You know, it, it, it's the opposite of a lifestyle of faith. Wait, wait what are we, what's our point today? The righteous will live by faith. You know, sin is the opposite of living by faith. You know, that's what Habakkuk warned the people back in Habakkuk 2.4, that with the Babylonians, they're trying to bring us over to their side. They're, they're taking our people, they're destroying our temple, but what we have to remember is that we still are connected with God. Independent of what we see, our faith is connected with our Father, with, with God. You know, real living centers on your faith. It's the opposite of, of a lifestyle of personal autonomy, you know. DIY, I like to call it. Better for me, who cares about you, sort of thinking. Mm-hmm. It's really the opposite. It's the, it's the faith, what's best for God. And God is not going to stop us from going down another path. He's going to influence you. He's going to put people in your life. He's going to give scriptures to read. He's going to convict you. He's going to give you challenges from your sins. Uh, he's going to give you many, many opportunities to change. He's given yeah. me many many opportunities to change Amen. you know but uh, we really have to be convicted that this way of life about following God is really the opposite of the way of the world right and that was really the message of Romans 1 is that the way of, of the, the way of the irreligious the unreligious uh, <clears throat> was opposed to God in chapter two again he's going to hit sins of the religious and then he's going to pull it together in chapter three so next time we, we sit down and talk, We'll talk more about the sins of, of the religious, which I'm sure will be convicting for us as well. But What I want to do right now is let's just take a minute to think about, for communion, this idea that the righteous will live by faith. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians that we ought to examine ourselves, we ought to consider uh, ourselves before we take communion. And I challenge us now is, as we pray and then take communion, let's consider this idea of living by faith. What right are the things that are challenging right now from living a life that's totally sold out <clears throat> to a faithful walk with Jesus. Let's identify those not as condemnation. We're already getting the wrath from our sins. Let's identify how does God, what direction does God want to take us uh, today to be closer to Him, to be more connected with Him. Let's pray. Yeah. Father, You are awesome, and we are so grateful that we have You as our, as our Savior, as our God. Father, we know that you inspire us, encourage us, teach us from, from nature, from your word, from the word of Jesus, uh, just what you want for us, how you want the best for us. God, I pray that as we uh, take communion, we can reflect on that powerful message of faith, God, how Jesus really called us to walk with him. Well, I pray that you would help us just to continue to make that journey. Father, as I, as I reflect on the journey that my friend Ray made, faithfully, I pray that all of us could continue faithfully uh, today and for the rest of our lives as we follow Jesus. Thank you for the blood that forgives us of all sin. Thank you for the cleansing that we have because we follow you. Thank you for just loving us more than we could possibly understand. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.